2: Who has ever lived will have to account for their understanding of who God is. Because the Bible says that one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord.
1: Welcome to The Barnabas Effect with Paul Purvis, Senior Pastor of Mission Hill Church, a multicultural, multi generational, multiplying church focused on shining the light and love of Jesus like a city on a hill. You're invited to visit any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. For information and locations, visit missionhill.org. That's missionhill.org. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis.
2: The year was 1887, and a young teacher named Ann Sullivan moved to Tuscumbia, Alabama to help the little girl that had been deaf and blind from birth first portion of her life she was unable to communicate with anyone even her mom her dad who loved her most but after working for some time with Ann her teacher Ann would pour some water in the palm of her hand and then she would write the word water and she would begin to help young Helen Keller understand how to communicate. This would grow and develop in her life, and she would build her faith journey, and one day she would meet the great theologian Philip Brooks, and he would teach her about God. And as Philip Brooks began to teach young Helen Keller about God, she said this, I always knew there was a God. I always knew he was here, but I never knew his name. I've got good news for you today. God wants you to know his name. More specifically and more pointedly, let me tell you, God wants you to know. He wants you to understand. He wants you to encounter who he is. And that's what we're going to talk about these next several weeks, the I am statements of Jesus that in the words of Christ himself introduce us personally to who God is. There's a lot of discussion about who people think God is, but we need not be confused. We need not wonder. We can have assurance. We can have a definitive answer. This is who God is. In fact, one day everyone will have to account. They'll give a declaration. You might remember what took place in Caesarea Philippi where Jesus took a journey and gathered with his disciples. He asked the question, who do the people say that I am? And they gave their responses. So one day everyone will have to give a response for who we think Jesus is. But today we get to hear from him. Who does he say that he is? It it should not surprise you to find out that God has been consistent throughout all of time. He has not had an identity crisis. He has known who he is, and he's communicated that to us. Remember the encounter with Moses at the burning bush? You'll find that in Exodus chapter 3. Moses was kind of hiding out from God. It might be easy for you to forget when we read what is a familiar passage about Moses and the burning bush. Moses is 80 years old. At about 40 years old, he did something that was sinful and he ran from Egypt in fear for his life and he spent the next 40 years in desert. And maybe you've come in today and you're in the midst of a desert wandering. And it's not that you're doing so much bad, you're just not experiencing God's best. And so here at 80 years old, having hid out from God, Moses encounters God in a bush that is burning but never burns up. You remember what took place? God tells Moses, hey, I want you to go to Egypt. I want you to tell Pharaoh these words, let my people go. (laughs) And Moses said, oh, no. I think you've got the wrong guy. And and though this is not our primary passage, I think this passage gives us three things we need to understand about a God encounter. Because what you want every time you open God's word, what you want every time you come to worship, what you want every time you seek the face of God is to encounter the one who can change your everything. And the first thing you learn about a God encounter from Moses' experience is that you have to begin by saying, here I am. Say, here I am. God calls Moses' name, and Moses understands this is a different moment. And so he says, here I am. Every one of us must come to a place in life where we determine, are we going to respond to God's call? Are we going to listen to what he's asking us to do? Are we going to hear his voice and say, here I am? For somebody listening to me today, for somebody that's watching this time of worship together, somebody, God is saying to you, I want to save you. I want to change your forever destination. I want to introduce you to one that can make life different for the rest of your forever. And he wants you to simply say, here I am. For somebody here today, you have a relationship with Christ, but you've been going through difficulty in your life. You've been searching for answers, and you're not finding the hope you desire. And God's calling out to you today, and he's saying, I'm what you need, and he simply wants you to respond by saying, here I am. There's somebody today that I believe God is setting aside. That's what the Bible refers to as a calling on your life. So maybe he's setting you aside to serve him as a preacher, as a pastor. Maybe he's setting you aside to use those gifts, those skills he's given you as a worship leader. Maybe he's setting you aside to work with students or with children. Maybe he's setting you aside to go in and be a missionary. Maybe he's setting you aside to be a school teacher, a doctor, or an engineer, or a physical therapist, but to use what he's given you for his glory. For some of you, God's calling you today, and you simply need to say, here I am. First thing you've got to learn is how am I going to respond to God when he calls? There's a second encounter that I think we need to learn from here today. Because Moses answers God when God says, hey, I want you to go to Egypt. I want you to talk to Pharaoh. I want you to tell him to let my people go. And Moses says, oh, who am I? Say, who am I? Now, for Moses, this becomes an excuse. (laughs) Because Moses several times is going to try to work his way out of this assignment. He's going to try to point to somebody else and ask someone else to step in and take his place. He's going to argue with God and tell God he doesn't think he's up to the task. And he says, who am I? But though he's really making excuses, he understood something that we one day have to understand. Maybe you need to understand that today. And that is that there is a God and you are not him. You are not her. There is a God, and there's a difference between us and him. He is high, we are low. Like Isaiah says, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. And I said, "Woe, our low is me. And maybe you need to have that understanding today. God, who am I that you would do anything for me? Who am I that you would reveal yourself to me? Core to our understanding, what it means to be saved is understanding our desperate need for him and, and maybe you would just pause even as I'm talking so you hear the sound of my voice and you would just cry oh God I'm desperate for you today I, I need you to do something that I recognize only you can do you begin by saying here I am then you go to who am I but then you hear God introduce himself Moses said to the Lord in that bush hey okay if I do this who should I tell people sent me God just says, I am. Say, I am. Exodus 3, verse 13. And Moses said to God, if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel. I am. Has sent me to you. Hey, there's coming a day where everyone who has ever lived will have to account for their understanding of who God is. Because the Bible says that one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. There's going to be a day in your life, there's going to be a time in your existence where you have to give an account for who God is. What the Bible has given to us for and what I am called here to do for you is to help make sure you do that before it's too late. I want to help you understand who God is while you still can confess, here I am. And you can still say, God use me for your glory." Hi, I'm Paul Purvis, the lead pastor of Mission Hill Church right here in Tampa Bay. Thanks for taking the time to listen to today's The Barnabas Effect. the Barnabas Effect, that will direct you to a simple way that you can give right there online. Thanks again for listening to The Barnabas Effect today, and now we continue with our message. I am with the covenant name of God. We see it in scripture written this way, Yahweh. Translated in English simply means the Lord. Remember what I said? One day, every tongue will confess That Jesus Christ is Lord. He's Yahweh. God was saying to Moses, I am everything you need, I am anything you want, I am all that you could ever desire. I just want to ask you today, have you come to the place where you understand if you're seeking a relationship, He is what you need. If you're seeking provision, He is what you need. If you're seeking healing, He is what you need. If you're seeking hope, He is what you need. Have you come to the place where you understand He is everything? It's a strange use of the word because it's in the present tense. So God was saying, I am. I am here, I'm dwelling in your midst. But I was there and I will be over there because it's present tense, but it's self-sustaining. He's saying I was, I am, and I forevermore shall be. He doesn't change. So it shouldn't surprise us. When God becomes flesh in the person of Jesus, Jesus says, I am. In the Gospel of John, we've got seven statements where Jesus begins with the words, I am. It's interesting, John records seven miracles, seven signs of Jesus, and seven of these statements of Jesus, I am. Why are these statements so important? There's a simple truth I want you to walk away with. When you understand I am, it changes who I am. (laughs) When I understand I am, it changes who I am. If I truly encounter God, if I, I truly experience God, it changes me. That's what happened for Moses at that burning bush. He walked away different. He walked away prepared to fulfill God's destiny in his life. And I believe that's what God wants for you. John chapter six, beginning in verse 22. On the next day, the crowd that remained on the other side of the sea saw that there had been only one boat there and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but that his disciples had gone away alone. By the way, why did they not see Jesus in the boat? We're not reading this part of the passage, but just before this, it tells us that when Jesus went out and saw the sea, he saw that it was stormy and everybody was afraid. And this is the passage where Jesus walks on water. And I don't know what you're going through today, but you've either just come out of a storm. You're in a storm or you may not realize it. And I hate to be the first to tell you, but you're headed into a storm. And the good news is Jesus can calm the storms of your life. And he can show up where you least expect him. So other boats from Tiberias came near the place where they had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. Hello, that introduces something that we need to know about. So we're going to find out about that in a minute. But here in this passage of Scripture, it's pointing us back to something that must have happened. Because somebody ate some bread somewhere and it must have been significant. So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into the boats and they went to Capernaum seeking Jesus. And maybe today as you're hearing the word of God, you're seeking Jesus. You just need something. You might not have verbalized, I need Jesus, but you know that you need something outside of yourself. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, teacher, when did you come here? Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me, not because of that you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Now again, we're pointing back to something that apparently we need to know. But notice what Jesus says, you've come to me not because of who I am, but you've come to me because of what you think I can do for you. You've come to me not so that my presence can fill you up, but you've come to me that I might give you something that can fill you up. And Jesus is about to blow that out of the water. But some of your understanding of faith is akin to those people who came to Jesus on that day. Your relationship with God is all about what you think he can do for you. And so you might give in the offering plate or you might show up at church. You might check your name off of the daily Bible reading list because you think if you do the right things, then God will do what he can do for you. I think you're going to see that that is misinformed. So Jesus says, do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the son of man will give to you. For on him, God, the father has set his seal. Then they said to him, what must we do? to be doing the works of God. There it is again. What, what have I got to do? Count me in. Just tell me what to do. And there we see the confusion that separates true Christianity, sincere faith in Jesus Christ from every other world religion, every other world religion, every other supposed pathway to God is based on what you do. In Islam, it's called the five pillars of Islam. Islam. If you do these things, you will be right. Buddhism, it's called the noble eightfold path. In most of the cults, for example, Mormonism would still be one of those. There's a list of things that you can do. And if you do those things, then you will be right with God. Christianity says it's not about what you do. It's about what he's already done. It's about your belief in him and what he offers to you. So Jesus answered them and said, this is the work of God. I like to think that maybe he was saying, this is the work of God. That you believe in him whom he has sent. So they also said to him, then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? Here it is again. Oh, just show us. You've done that, haven't you? Don't raise your hand, please. Oh, God. You just get me out of this mess. I'll do whatever you want. Oh, God, you just provide for these bills. I'll do whatever you want. Oh, Lord, you give me healing. I'll praise your name. How much of your relationship with God is dependent upon the signs, what he might do for you? And then they tried to tag Jesus by talking about a story they thought they understood. They said, our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness as it's written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. And Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you bread from heaven. But my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And they said to him, sir, give us this bread. Always. And it's in that context that Jesus said to them. I am the bread of life when you understand who God is it changes everything changes how you live changes your countenance changes how you worship like the old songwriter wrote you begin to live this out There is a name I love to hear. I love to sing his worth. His name is music to my ear. The sweetest name on earth. Sing it out if you know it. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh how I love Jesus because he first loved me. Amen. Let's bow our heads together. Father, in the name of Jesus, I'm asking you, would you continue to demonstrate your presence in our midst as you have already today? Would you work in and through us? Would you change us For your glory. Lord, some that are here with me today, they need to be reminded that you are the source. Others today need to find their satisfaction in you. But Lord, still there's someone else that needs to be saved. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, but I would ask you today if you've never begun that relationship with Jesus the Christ, would you consider doing that today? He's your salvation. He's the one that can give you the hope, the help that you need. Say, how do I experience that? The Bible makes it clear. You confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Remember, you've got to make a proclamation, a declaration someday. You believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. In other words, he died on the cross for you, and he's alive today. And then you ask him to take control of all that you are. If you've never taken that step, maybe you've been to church. You may have a lot of labels by your name. Some of you have been Baptist and Catholic and Methodist and Lutheran and Episcopal and Assembly of God, Presbyterian. You've gone through all kinds of rituals. You've walked down aisles. You've raised your hands. You've been dipped or dunked. You've been to Confirmation and Catechism, but you've never believed truly that Jesus is what you need. How about today? Why not right now? Maybe you'd pray this prayer, just you and me, to God. Dear Jesus, I believe. I now know who you are. You're God. And I know who I am. I need you. Jesus, I believe you died for my sin. I believe you're alive today. I'm ready to ask you to take control come into my life take control today in the name of Jesus now tell him thank you now our heads are still bowed our eyes are closed but I want you to listen carefully. to me There are three specific responses I'm asking of you on all three of our campuses. So whether you're here at our central campus, you're at Mission Hill Six Mile or Mission Hill Lake Carroll, this is how I'm asking you to respond to what God's done. Remember, that's the first thing we have to do when a God encounter is determine how we're going to respond. For some of you, you've responded by being saved So if you prayed that prayer with me, or maybe you just weren't ready yet, but you feel like you need to be saved, in just a moment on our central campus, I'm going to be standing here. I want you to come and take my hand. At our Lake Carroll campus, Pastor Gary will be standing there. At our Six Mile campus, Pastor Jeff will be standing there. You come and take their hands, and you just say this, either, I was just saved, or I need to be saved. Some of you need to be reminded today that he's your satisfaction. He's the one that quenches your thirst He meets your needs when you're hungry, however that looks. And whether it's there in your seat or whether it's coming and praying with one of the pastors who are standing here with me or whether it's just kneeling here at these steps in commitment to God, you just need to recommit that this is a, a moment where you're acknowledging to God, you understand He's the one who satisfies.
1: You've been listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis. The Barnabas Effect is here to provide listeners like you with biblical truth and spiritual encouragement. But it can't be done without your financial support. Go to missionhill.org and click on the Give tab. Your financial support helps us reach those seeking truth about God and themselves. Thank you for giving at missionhill.org. And join us weekdays at 9 a.m. for The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis on Faith Talk, AM 570 and 910.